LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel Center ministry every week. And uh, we're in the run-up to Australia Day. So what Whoa. have you been doing? Like, for our listeners overseas, what have you been doing the last few weeks in sunny Brisbane? Well, pretty much what I do every summer and what most people, Brisbane people do all year round, I spend it in the pool watching cricket. So in the old uh, budgie smugglers. And have we beat the Kiwis? Uh, yes, absolutely. An absolute thrashing. <laughs> yep. Now, this is pre-recorded, so <laughs> I'm hoping that is not the case. Yeah. I'm hoping it's a really tight series. And the Kiwis get us, but you don't think they're bowling strong? Oh, look, I don't want to. Yeah, I think they've, they've got a couple of brilliant batters. And look, our US listeners must just be going nuts for this conversation. They the must moment. be. So the oh. one thing, it's brought to you with thanks to the Geneva Push. Hopefully at one stage it'll be the Australian Cricket Board as well, uh, but it's not at this stage. And uh, now Geneva is the Australian Church Planning Network. We're also proudly part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. And so check out their network page on iTunes. You can see all the other quality Christian podcasts that are available there. But for now, you've pressed play on episode number 92 of The One Thing, Doing Church Food Well. So, uh, we, listen, The One Thing listener, Susanna Bohr, wrote in with a challenging question today, those responsible for the Ministry of the Interior, that what's happened in church, and she asked the question, how do we do food well at church? Church-related events like Bible studies. Uh, Jesus sets the table for table fel- the model for table fellowship. Lots of considerations: allergies, intolerances, health, ethical eating. That one Corinthians idea: um, uh, packaging, serving utensils, recycling. Uh, who does the prep, set up? How much effort? How much impact it has? So Susanna's uh, asked: How do we think about this from a gospel perspective in church? And so we thought we would invite. Along a very special guest today, uh, we've got Madeline Glare in the studio. Hi, Maddie. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Maddie, Maddie is our recruit and assess manager for the Geneva Push. Uh, she's got a great responsibility to be overseeing our assessments, but also uh, coordinating our recruitment team as well. And uh, Maddie has lots of experience uh, thinking into this area in her local church. Uh, she was for a number of years a member at MBM Rudy Hill and uh, is now going to another church and is involved in the membership area of church life. Uh, and what she brings to our team is uh, is a great attention to detail to uh, hospitality, uh, to just doing food well. And it's not something that Derek and I naturally uh, do well. We, we'd be happy with cheese and crackers, mm. uh, but Maddie, Maddie regularly brings great platters and great food. So it's not something that... I, I, I think Lynn, listeners would find this hard to believe, but it's not something that we give a lot of attention to. No, that's right. <laughs> but the reality is, which is why we've got Maddie on, this makes a hu- can make a huge impact in church events and the life of church. So Maddie, can you just talk to us a little bit why it is you feel passionate about this area? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think a big thing is, uh, especially at church um, or anywhere where people are gathered, it food, it can't really happen without food basically you know after church um having people over there's always food involved Uh, but i think in strengthening relationships encouraging one another food is a pretty key aspect and being intentional about that so maddie can you tell us a story of how food has impacted church or small groups 
Yeah. Um, so definitely impacting church. Uh, so when I was at MBM, did membership for three years for the night service. And in 2016, we'd kind of, this is when I started, we'd like plateaued with our numbers. Uh, there wasn't much community happening after church. Basically, the service had finished. The kind of, it was like a young adults youth service. So everyone had kind of go off into their um, cliques and have dinners separately, which meant new people came in and there wasn't many people to chat with them, hang around. Um, and it wasn't a place people would bring their friends to. So one of the key things that uh, we changed was having food after the services, having a supper roster um, and being intentional with that. Uh, and that was basically our goal was we wanted to increase the service by 50 people the following year and have a culture where people would hang, uh, stay back after the service, hang out and have fellowship. Um, and it wasn't just food in the sense that I'm on a roster, <clears throat> I bring those crackers like you were saying and just chuck them on the table as great as, you know, that can be. I don't think that can be they, great, actually. They were, they were crackers with cracked pepper. Like, I just oh, want to give a bit of context. Nice. Fancy. Yeah. Fancy. You know, water crackers. No, were... you're good, Scott. That's good. No, um, look, I'm a big fan of Aldi. But um, I would say, yeah, it, was, um, it wasn't just the food, but it was... Uh, we changed like the location of where supper was going to be three times in six months to get the right spot of where it was going to be. You know, we moved rooms. Um, we used stuff. We already had like lamps and everything to kind of create a vibe. Um, but behind that is really just intentionality. It's showing people it's actually important to put effort in. It says something and people are very visual and you can tell as soon as you walk into a room. Yeah, it's interesting. Susanna in a question sort of wrestles with that tension. Should I spend time working on the Bible study or should mm. I spend time baking a cake you know it's interesting just hearing you tell that story the goal was actually to see a growth you know in people at the gathering yeah. you know hearing god's word responding to god's word it's interesting the solution was a food solution and was a you know i guess a vibe you know yeah. solution and i mean yeah so based off that story you could say well really we just needed better preachers better music but we ended up increasing we fell four short of our goal so we got just built we got to like 96 196 people when 200 was the goal and which was great and yeah yeah so we were pretty happy we were pretty stoked but there are a few things but food um and that intentionality was one of the biggest reasons because it created people stayed back later so they had more conversations it meant new people came they connected into church and it meant people were like i'm gonna bring my non-christian friends so more conversions happened because people were like i can bring them to this because i know it's going to be good and then people became Christians as a result. So I have in my consulting book, it's called the 45-minute rule. It's not how long you should you know, wait before you pick up food and then eat it. <laughs> um, but it's actually uh, seeing people stick around for 45 minutes after a church. Mm. I generally find that's a good uh, you know, sort of indicator, actually, people really enjoying the community time and actually spending you know, a lot of deep time actually talking and, and, and wrestling with stuff. Yeah. So can I ask you, is the leadership team was thinking through this? Because I'm not hearing you say the food converted people. They moved from <laughs> darkness to light because really of the rust good missiles. beetroot hummus dip will do it. <laughs> <Is that laughs> no, right? no. So we're not hearing you say that. But as you as a leadership team were thinking mm. through ways in which all the different angles you could uh, work on in order to get more people there in order to hear the gospel... Um, how did the food conversation play out? Was it the first thing that people went to? Was it the last thing? Were people reluctant to go there? How did they feel about it? Yeah, I mean, it. I mean, the food is definitely like in the church area. So it kind of did depend on where we had it. People were, I mean, they're pretty keen to eat free food. Mm. So money is not an issue. 
um, the time of day, it's like hitting on dinner, so they're they're pretty hungry. There wasn't really any any reluctance. We had more success. That's why we moved it around in the church building. We had more success in different areas. We even tried in the early days, the the person that was like concluding the service up the front, they told everyone, and we tried this once, they told everyone to stand up as the service ended and encourage them to go out and eat the food mm. just to kind of say, this is a new thing that we're doing. You know, it's not revolutionary, it's eating. But um, yeah, it kind of was trying to get everyone in the same area. Um no, people the, are keen to eat. But the leadership team itself, they were happy to they were happy to, to push into this area. There wasn't reluctance as if no, we just need to teach the Bible and everything else will take care of itself. No. I mean, good question. There wasn't, but we are I mean, we're a, <clears throat> MBM is a multicultural church and food is a big part of that as well. And it kinda always has been. And it always happened in the morning services as well well to be honest so it kind of something just just died off at the night service um but the importance of eating together and doing community you can't just expect to teach the bible and then see you later and then you know good luck with your life transformation happens (laughs) yeah yeah um it it happens i mean even in the bible and ever since then it happens relationships are built and fellowship happens over eating together and breaking bread with one another Mm, that's good all right we need to pause for a second uh we're gonna have a bit of a dig into the toolbox today scott what have you got for us well Susanna's talked about a a really key book uh called ministry to the interior now i think it's really hard to get that book that's a book that i grew up uh seeing my dad use for beach missions uh large uh, catering events but it is actually a really helpful book when you are catering for large numbers to know quantities, uh, food sizes, and, and a whole bunch of other areas. So that is an excellent resource if you're trying to do, um, you know, food on a on a uh, on a large scale. Um, the second um, second resource that I encourage you to dig into, uh, we did a hospitality seminar uh, with Kathy and one of our planter wives a number of years ago. Um, I will we'll dig into that in the uh, online resource library or pull that out. Um, I think that's an excellent resource just just because it's really practical, um, uh, practical and uh, and helpful in, in thinking into this uh, space. Uh, the other thing is you you have this you have these resources in your church. There are people in your church who love doing food and love doing hospitality well. Uh, I I just don't think it's a ministry that, that we value. And so um, I would encourage you to actually seek out those people who you know this is something that they do naturally. They want they want to do it and uh, resource them. Give them give them a vision for it uh, that that includes you know your gathering events. Uh, your key gathering events like, um, you know, your Sunday gatherings, but also uh, those regular celebration events that you want to have church in church life, the the monthly newcomers night, the Simply Christianity course, uh, the the quarterly picnic for church. Uh, get those people involved in your church to to start to create the the culture that you want of um, of bringing people together around around food. All right, that's really good. Well, let me pick up on something, Maddie. How did you find? people at MBM, the leadership team, to do this role, people who weren't like Scott just thinking, you know, salt and pepper crackers and I've kicked a goal, <laughs> people who actually wanted to invest in this area, people who saw the importance of it. Yeah. Um, so I think getting whoever, it, to get people that are actually interested and passionate about the ministry is pretty key, who don't see it as I'm going to tick a box, bring a plate of something and that's it, but who uh, saw the value in it. I think you need to communicate that, um, leading a team, uh, but finding those people. And I think 
more intuitively, I would just go around thinking who really enjoys, who naturally does hospitality, who does it in their own life. Maybe they enjoy baking or maybe they're creative in some way. Um, But yeah, so I think trying to find those people, but I would say put a lot of the emphasis on finding um, a leader who is passionate about it, who can run a team, not a roster, but a team where you're, you know, sharing the vision of this ministry, how important it is and what it's, what the culture that it's creating. Um, And then they too find a team that can, that can do it. And it, it depends. We, initially we started doing this. I basically just did it. So I got, you know, kind of used to just how, how quickly, how cheaply can you do a big cheese board? Um, uh, for the amount of people that we had and then um, building up a team, so finding people who are passionate about it. But we had predominantly youth and young adults and I think a factor when it comes to food is who's going to pay. And so in the morning services, there were teams who would do it, but they are you know full-time, have a better income, but at night that wasn't sustainable. Uh, so what we did is we went to a growth group model where a growth group was on. Um, it meant that you were only on three times a year. It meant growth groups were working together. It was harder to manage because that's like a lot of people. Um, but financially, it was just a better option. And, and what about the quality? Like, do you, do you lose quality as opposed to having a, a team that's that's excellent at it? Look, it did mean some weeks, you know, sometimes you do, I think. <laughs> like uh, if, Derek and, if Derek and, you know, our my Bible study was on. <laughs> weeks to stay away. You know, uh, church is off. No, no. <laughs> um, no, but it did create, I mean, it's funny. She talks in her question, she talked a bit about, you know, competition. But it, in a sense, it was a bit of a healthy competition between mm. growth groups. It was a bit like, uh, and it wasn't who can spend more money. It's who's creative. And we would help them with ideas. So, you know, ice cream and cones and sprinkles and lollies, that's fun and different. And then a popcorn session with different types of mm. popcorn, that's cheap as well, but it's creative. So there is a bit of help giving them ideas for the people who can't think of it themselves. Yeah, I think go for it. Can I, can I just press into the coffee machine? Mm. How important is it to have good coffee? I'd say pretty important. I'd say it depends where you are. I think where you are, that makes a big difference, the people that are coming to your church. But I think for most, for a lot of churches these days, I say it's a, it's a pretty important Give thing. us a number, zero to 10. Uh, <laughs> Come on, give us a number. Zero being just put out the instant roast. Nine. International roast, no. Nine. Or eight, nine. Yeah, wow. I'm going to say, well, look, I think if you can do it, go for it. I think people... It just, it really says that you, you value the people. I think that's, that's what it does. It's the same with, you know, do I leave everything in its wrapped packaging and just rip the lids off the stuff and put it on the table? Or do I, you know, get the dip, scoop it out, put it in a ceramic bowl and put it on the table? Like that's like three I'm steps. rolling my eyes because that's what Maddie does. And I just go, I just put it in a tub. Yep. And, <laughs> but it doesn't look good. It just really doesn't look good. Yeah. For, yeah. our, for our US listeners, uh, coffee doesn't always come in cans. Uh, <laughs> it's grown on trees and beans. It's amazing like that. Yeah. But, it is, but it is interesting. It, it, there, there is a cost uh, to, to doing that, but uh, there, are, there are great opportunities as well for being able to follow people up because there's an opportunity to get people's names, yeah. um, you know, to actually show love to the outsider as well. Mm. Uh, and, and for a lot of people, actually to encourage them to get to church early via a coffee machine because they don't stop at the cafe or they don't, you know, stop somewhere else. Yeah. And one of the, one of the things I did hear you say as well was it's it is about the vision. It's not just doing food. Mm. It's about how that how doing that thing connects to the the vision and the goal of seeing people come to know Jesus in that context. Yeah. And can I say one thing that was probably the biggest one thing that was really important was 
the thing was we wanted to create community and 150 people, there's basically 15 social groups in that roughly. There, so there's therefore 15 people who are leading those groups, like not officially, but the person says, let's do this, we'll all come. And so I went around and it was tapping all of those people on the shoulder and saying, hey, this is the change we're making. This is why we think it's so important. We really want you to hang back after church and you know bring these people. And that was... It's, so again, that's another reason why it's not just food, but it's in conjunction with intentionality of getting the right people in the room. So that brings us to the end of the show, Maddie. What's the one thing that people should be taking away when it comes to doing church food well? Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think it's not just food on its own. I think it's food in conjunction with intentionality. It's putting that effort in. It's taking that dip out of the plastic container and putting it in the ceramic bowl. I don't know why you're looking at me, Maddie, but <laughs> Derek did the morning tea this morning. and It yeah, was terrible. I didn't. It was terrible. <laughs> what? Right, you put on a plate. Yeah, even Derek bought plastic plates. No, he bought plastic was, plates to was, put it on plastic no, plates. No, so wow, this has got awkward because that was actually Maddie. <laughs> yeah, oh. But for different reasons, <laughs> okay. we're locked out of the kitchen. <laughs> we were. There are reasons. Anyway, look, that brings us to the end of this episode, which has been excellent. Hopefully that's been really helpful for you. Uh, the One Thing is part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. And this is a good chance to point you to one of our partner podcasts. Have you listened to the 5LQ podcast with Todd Adkins? I have. they got some great uh, leaders that they're interviewing at the moment. David Platt, uh, Ryan Myers, Louis Giglio. Uh, and they've also recently done book breakdowns on shifts in discipleship. Excellent. There's a good book for that. No Silver Bullets. Daniel Im. You'll never have heard him talk about that, but I recommend it. It's a great book. Uh, just like a five leadership questions anywhere for that podcast on your favourite podcasting app and check it out. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. Coming up in our next episode, well, it's still going to be stinking hot in Sydney and Brisbane, so we're uh, heading back down south for a breath of fresh air. And we're going to be catching up with our friend Pastor Al Bain in Tassie. We're going to talk about secularisation and the gospel. I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon.